0: Today's podcast on how to drive member engagement in an increasingly fragmented world of healthcare benefit solutions and what a good member experience needs to be. This is a topic I am super excited because I spend a lot of time personally also working on this. We have Dr. Joe Hodges, our speaker today, founder and president of Care Valley, a member app company that helps to unify the healthcare benefits experience and to search for providers. Joe has a DBA doctorate in business administration, where his thesis was on the influence of nudging and its impact on the assimilation gap on a digital health platform in rural populations. So he knows one or two things about this topic. Prior to this role, Joe founded Inetico, which helped contain employers' healthcare costs and to support members through clinical support. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For more information on joining HCAA, please visit our website, hcaa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar. And I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that brings self-insured employers and their employees find meaning from their healthcare data and price transparency. Please look or like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. Before we begin, I would like to bring you a word from our sponsors, Nocomis. Nocomis provides unique claim accountability services to payers. Nocomis's highly skilled and experienced team of reviewers coupled with propriety best-in-class review engine allows them to achieve savings of 9% or more with an appeal rate of less than 1% also look for a nocomis reinsurance and employer stop-loss product coming next year. To learn more about Nokomis, visit nocomishealth.com Today on our podcast, you will learn what a good member experience looks like, what are members actually looking for, how do you engage members and communicate with them in their healthcare benefits, and how do you support that member What type of touch points should you be using? What kind of data you should have in place? And what are some typical engagement rates that you can expect? So let's dig in. Dr. Joe Hodges, I am super excited to have you on our Voices for uh, Self-Funding. And uh, our discussion on member experience is going to be great. Something I'm very passionate about personally as well. And I know you've done a lot of work. Why don't we start for our listeners, Joe, why should people listen to you when it comes to member engagement?
1: Well, besides being very passionate about it, it's one of the areas that I think has been the greatest challenge in healthcare is giving meaningful tools to consumers that they want to use. And yeah, I became so fascinated by this in the previous companies that I own that I had a nurse case management, disease management company, as well as we did clearinghouse services and reference based pricing. The biggest challenge we saw was that we were finding out where members were going long after or during the uh, procedure. And so our ability to influence and guide, especially with all these amazing cost containment tools that are available in the marketplace and that we were offering just weren't getting utilized. We were chasing things after the fact or during the middle of the process. And it became such a challenge that I was like, we've got to find a better way to solve this. So I became so fascinated that after I sold my previous company, I went back to school and got a doctorate in business administration studying mobile healthcare platform design in rural health populations. And- Wow. In building this, I was like, all right, what's the goal behind this? And it was really to build something that was meaningful for the healthcare consumer to use that they would want to touch and use as they're in the decision-making process. So I wrote my dissertation studying this and, and more specifically into what we call a thing called an assimilation gap between is it adoptable and is it usable? and measuring the qualities of those metrics as we presented solutions to that population. Oh, This is lovely.
0: I'm going to have so much fun listening to you and hearing and learning from your experience, as should many of our listeners. This adoption, the enrollment to engagement, this is a critical stuff for all TPAs and benefit consultant and employers to really understand. So let's dig into this. Let's paint a picture of what is the current state of affairs when it comes to member engagement, member tools, and particularly in the self-insured employer space.
1: Yeah, it's really fascinating. You know, Kinsey Consumer Health Insights actually did a study in 2020 that showed that 82% of healthcare consumers want a digital solution but only 42% of the participants in that study really felt there were any websites or applications that did a valuable job. And that's an important message back to our industry is that what is it that we're providing to them and does it have value? And as we look deeper into that, we have to start making some very basic comparisons. And one of those basic comparisons is, well, how do consumers expect to use digital tools today? And what is their comfort level? So when we take a look at that, we see that the easiest comparison are those retail and service comparisons that we see them, members engaging with at very high levels. You know, they go, they point to something, they click to it, they get the solution they need, and they're happy. We know in healthcare, it's a lot more complex than that. But in healthcare, because we have so many specific entry points, we have just as many solutions when it comes to those Mm -hmm. solutions. And that those solutions, many of them are excellent, but it's so overwhelming to a consumer that they can't remember which one they need to go to at which point of entry they need to make. And so that becomes such a challenge for them that it's created in the industry is what's called digital fragmentation. And when we start separating out the mindset of the consumer in healthcare and bucket and get so specific into those areas, we've got so specific that it's just, it's not anything they can remember. It's overwhelming to them. So we have to figure out how to provide more optimized solutions and very simple solutions from those entry points. So we always have to look at the consumer mindset and what their needs are based on what are our needs as healthcare practitioners and servicers in the environment who have a particular expectation knowing we have regulatory things we have to meet, we have informational things we have to compete with and and that we have to get the consumer to use. So we have to look and switch our mindsets to theirs.
0: So I see the gap. People want it. We don't have it for them. And maybe to dig further into what is the current state of affairs, what kind of engagement levels you're seeing, what kind of usage of these member portals or mobile applications that you're seeing today before you arrive on the scene, let's say?
1: Well, we know that you know, when we have these solutions and even talking with TPAs about a lot of these great solutions that they have is we see about 4 to 7%, 14% utilization across the health plan with these pieces. And it, it's because the member isn't aware of them at the time they have the need. And it's such a challenge to have in front. Also, when we look at the generalized tools, what we're seeing are informational tools. We're giving the members information, but not necessarily personalized at the level that they needed yeah. to, so that we can address what healthcare consumers, the state they're in, which is they're in an emotional and behavioral state. And we have to address that emotional behavioral need because if we don't, we miss Their desire and their need to be communicated with in association with the feeling that they're having, that behavioral need they're having, which is I'm in a health event or I'm in a health Mm -hmm. crisis and it could seem small to us. I need a doctor's visit, but why do they need a doctor's visit? It could be, oh gosh, I've had this problem and now it's getting worse and now I have to address it. We have to get into that mindset so that we simplify those touch points so that we Mm -hmm. actually get them the result that they're after right when they're looking for it. So let's
0: talk about that member. I think you picked on when that member is in that stress, it's a healthcare need now, you've got to meet that member. They don't care about all the other things you might be doing. Right. And so if you were to describe what are some of the things that the member is looking for from their member experience.
1: Yeah. And I think it's pretty interesting. It's we always have to look at entry points, is what is that member? Experiencing and how do Mm -hmm. we make that connection? So, and we have to put our mindset where they are. So, you've got a mom and they have a sick child. Well, that's a critically important thing for that mom to solve at that point. And if she's going and trying to find an urgent care or trying to find her physician or needing to call a telehealth provider, and she needs to be able to open up her phone and get to one of those solutions. Or as we look at, oh, there's a whole lot of things we can do to get more specific into where we should guide her, which are those guided experiences, but we need to first address her need and ensure that we're providing a solution that is a simple one to two button click solution to get her to the place that she needs to go.
0: So let's say urgent care, this mom needs to get hold of an urgent care or an ER. What do we need to do to help that member? through a digital tool or through a call center member experience person behind the phone call?
1: Yeah, well, it's really just addressing that need. We either need to get them, you know, on the phone with somebody that can solve it. And typically we know telehealth uh, can jump in there. I'll give you an example is one of the solutions we have. If you're looking for urgent care or you're looking for your provider, we always put the telehealth solution or that clinical solution right out in front of them before even giving them the address to the place. Because we're like, if you need to address this need, let's get it addressed right now where you're sitting and make mm-hmm. the connection to have a solution. By giving them that guidance, we're actually improving the experience that they're having because it wasn't an anticipated solution. They thought, gosh, I'm going to have to go to an urgent care, wait in that Uh, waiting room until we have a solution. But now we've provided something else more intuitively to them that really does help solve their need. So we want to look at and anticipate what are the potential results that the member is looking for. And that's one instance. You may have another member that comes in and they're at their doctor's office and the doctor's like, well, I can't see you until I have your ID card and they don't have it on them. And if your digital solution provides that capability to pull it up right there, for them, and then share it with your provider, that solves a need. So when we look at entry points, we want to be sure that we've got the multitude of solutions, but they're in front of the member in such a simple manner that they can attach to it very quickly. So
0: there's this clear theory of these entry points. You should cover as many of them,
1: would yeah. you say? Yeah. And, and it's really this sort of, when we're talking building these platforms, it's the dynamic design And what I always like to refer to is Daniel Kahneman has a book out called Thinking Fast and Slow. And it's Mm -hmm. one thought design is 95% of our thinking is amygdala related. And it's, we have a need and we have a solution because it's most familiar to us. And if we Mm -hmm. don't address somebody in their system, one thought in their level of expectation, we push them to system two thought, which is then, you've not been able to solve this for me so quickly. Now I'm going to have to revert to old behaviors and or reference behaviors, and I'm going to have to look to to solve that need. And so when we're looking at that need, we need to look at our design of being able to capture the member in their system one thought and give them either a solid entry point or a solution right off the bat. And not just informational, it has to be engaging. And what do you mean by engaging? What
0: what should that look like?
1: It has to be a handoff step. So I'll give you the example. Like I, I talked about the mom, you know, looking for her child. If that mom is looking to get connected with an urgent care provider and you give a telehealth solution and the button pushes there to have the phone call right then, then you've simplified the need. If The mom makes the decision to bypass it and say, no, I still want to go to the urgent care. It has to be able to pop up that urgent care and where to go. We want to consider what's the need of the patient. But then we, as designers of these tools, we also want to consider what are the values that the health plan brought and how do we slip in some of these cost containment models that will help the patient, get them a better outcome more quickly, and also meet the fiduciary needs of the plan. So there's a lot of obvious grand considerations. But again, looking at those entry points in system one, thought, we have to start making connections and give those solutions and better options without interfering with the process of getting to the end result.
0: Yeah. Obviously, I've been thinking about this kind of space and type of ways of serving these members in my own day-to-day work as well. One of the things I'd love to get your thoughts on is One is the entry point from the member. The other is knowing the member enough and being proactive and being able to do the outreach. What do you think of that and what's the value of
1: that? You're touching on something really important. And and I know we we love this space because solving patient problems and solving health plan problems is so important. Oftentimes, we do get caught in the front-end conversation of that patient front-end experience just from when they're making choices. but then When we look at the other end of it, we know that there's some great modeling tools out there where we look at gaps in care. And in the care management world, the way that it's primarily done is that we look, we see a gap in care. We do an outreach to the member and we try to set things up. But the reality is, is because we are also now in a digital environment and we're looking at ways to massively enhance the consumer experience in their expected digital world. We have to look at the way we've historically been doing things in a traditional manner, and then look at what are the available resources that we have to engage them digitally in the way that they want to be communicated with. So an example of that would be if we're looking at a patient and we know they have a chronic condition, we know there's a gap in care. Traditionally, a nurse case manager or a disease manager would call and talk that patient through, Hey, we have this step, this step, this step. Intuitively, In the digital world, we can use what we call digital nudging, and we can send out nudges. The way that nudges initially had been coming out in the world is that you have a gap in care. You need to schedule an appointment with your lab to get your hemoglobin A1C done. But because we have this data, and we also have claims, and we also know that patient goes to this lab or sees this doctor, we now have better opportunities to do more meaningful engagements that say, Your lab would like to see you next Thursday at three o'clock to measure your hemoglobin A1C to keep you on track with your health plan. And, or your endocrinologist would like to see you next Tuesday at 1 p.m. to do your follow-up work. Or it's time for your glycoma eye exam. We saw you went to this doctor last year. They're available to see you at this period of time. Would this appointment be acceptable for you or would you like another time to set up with them? We really have the ability to operate intuitively With the patient in their current pattern of utilization, which when we go back just five, six years ago, we all thought, gosh, it would be great if these things work. But now we have all these available tools that really allow us to engage at that level. That really is what improves that consumer experience and takes us into this new world of nudging that is not informational nudging, but it's engagement nudging.
0: So you talked a little bit about almost like a care path, you know, one, two, three steps based on a care gap or some other kind of situation. You're kind of talking about using that care path to promote that, nudge the member, and to keep them on that path. That's the kind of stuff. And do you recommend a certain number of these use cases or number of these care paths what is it like an optimal number that you kind of recommend? How do you think about this?
1: Yeah, well, it really comes down, you know, everything sort of is personalized. So when we look at a group, it's, we know within a group, this group, 5% of their population may make up 70% of their plan. This one, 10% may make up 50% of the plans costs for the year. So when we look at that, it's really looking at those populations and then how we want to address each individual's needs and then how generally we want to measure the overall effect and outcome of how those nudges are working. First, we just want to be sure that we're able to measure from a historic claims perspective, what the risk model looks like, and then how we feel we can influence that solving gaps in care, or generalized and optimized services. So I always like to call we have only 56% of the health plan members have one or more medical claims per year on average. So that leaves 44% that don't have a claim. But when Mm -hmm. you look at that population year over year, that next year in that 44%, a person who never had a claim suddenly having a chronic or catastrophic event because they never even had an annual preventative visit, or they were never measured. So, when we are looking at these opportunities to engage, we want to address the entire population, the known risk population, and then how do we engage that unknown risk population to help identify that there are or are not even risk factors within that group. So in this new digital world, we have a much greater way to drop little Easter eggs, to give comfortable little nudges. And to your point, and the question was, is how to ensure you do that in the right way Too, without you don't want to over nudge them because we don't want to annoy them and then have them not utilizing these tools so we want to be sure that we're giving something that is specific appropriate to them and something that's meaningful if you know a lot of times you'll see generalized nudges that are informational and we talk to customers or hr directors that are like oh i want to be able to send out a message that this day's is that, yeah, I want full control of this. And it's like, oof, if you are dropping more than a message at once every two weeks or once a month in, in, to these members, they're going to get annoyed by it. So you want to be sure that what you're giving them is meaningful to them and purposeful along their journey and not just informational. Should it be about once a month at most? Yeah, be like a quarter? but it also depends on that patient. If you're scheduling appointments for them and you're giving them appointment reminders, different set of messaging than an outreach message to initiate something for the first time for the member.
0: Yeah. Let's take some uh, case studies here. You've talked a bit about now on this engagement, enrollment, different use cases. Give us a feel for what kind of enrollment to expect, and how does the enrollment look like over a period of time in these member experiences, whether that's a mobile app or some digital kind of tool, yeah. and then what's the engagement like over a period of time?
1: It's really interesting. We're looking at, would we first initiate a population? As there's a whole number of considerations that go there, but the measurement factor that we talk about is what we call an assimilation gap. How many eligible members are there, and then how many enroll? And one of the most important value measures and one of the very first value measures is how do you get as many people enrolled in particularly a consumer platform right off the bat so you know that they're now available for engagement. And so obviously, from our standpoint, we take a few steps. One of the requested requirements that we have is that this is the primary entry point for the plan. It's where they link to all their providers, it's where they get their ID cards, it's where they go to look for their claims, and that all other links are removed from the outside. So the member doesn't get stuck in that digital fragmentation standpoint, where they've got a lot of points to remember. If we do that, we find we have the highest levels of engagement right from open enrollment period and on. We even throw a few tricks in there too sometimes that aren't necessarily tricks, but some offerings that have value to the members is we know that once they enroll on the platform, their digital ID card is available. But so many people wait and, well, I need my paper ID. I need my plastic ID. And what we found is that if we let them know, well, once you enroll in your platform, you'll have your digital ID, but then you will release your printed ID card to you after that enrollment. And we send out those files or we print them and we send them out to the members. That creates the highest levels of enrollment. We see enrollments over the first few months going up to 40%, 50%, going nearly to 70, 80% within the first few weeks of the release of the platform. So we want to ensure that we close that first gap, which is who's eligible and who's enrolled. Now that we know we have the population engaged on the platform, then we can really get into the use case work which is then ensuring that we're giving good guidance to those members throughout the plan year as they seek services and as services are recommended to them based on their health profiles.
0: And and what does that picture look like? So once you have them enrolled, how do you see engagement level go up or down by different types of use cases throughout the year? Maybe paint us a little picture so that People, listeners can take away a model of how to engage, even if they didn't have your tools, how could they really think about this?
1: We really want to see whoever's tool it is, whether it's mine or someone else's, you know, it's always important to be measuring the ongoing value of, of what that engagement looks like. So we always say the first assimilation gap measurement is eligibles and then who is enrolled in the platform. The next one is once you have those enrollees, you want to see how they're engaging with your platform tools? And are they using them over a period of time? So one of the next level assimilation gap is which buttons are they pressing within the platform and how are they using over a period of time? So when they first come on, are they first going on and looking up their doctor and are they doing this? So one of the pieces that we have is a pop-up request happens right when you first enroll and it's to pick out your primary care provider. So once you do that, we have a thing called a care team. And it drops that provider right into the care team. So right off the bat, your provider's now on the first page. You're not searching for him anywhere through provider searches or her. And they're available. So there's their appointment setting button right there, their phone call, and their address. So as we look at this and as we look at at, uh, the use tools, we're looking at, did they, number one, choose their primary care? Then are they engaging in looking up and using their ID cards, calling the telehealth provider, scheduling an appointment, any other of the services that are in the platform? How are they naturally using? Then we have a second thing. We talked about digital nudging earlier just a little bit. Over the plan year, we'll send out those nudges and engagements to the member. And we can look in that uh, multi-level assimilation gap is where we send out a nudge. How many responses did we get? And one of the fascinating things that we saw in a study that we did was we had a 50 life group that was a very rural population. There was a COVID bloom that was happening uh, during that period of time. And the telehealth was fairly new to the population. And it was the first time they had telehealth on the platform. We had good engagement. So this 50 life group, we sent out a nudge at 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon within just a few minutes of the nudge going out, we had 17 unique phone calls to the telehealth provider. And it was fascinating to see this. So we wanted to see not just measure that moment, what we did was then we watched the telehealth calls over the next few weeks. There were nine additional telehealth calls just as a result of educating on that first nudge. So we know there's a residual value effect to doing a meaningful nudge to a patient. It stays fresh with them. It's not like advertising where you have to have someone has to see an ad 70 times before they remember the name of the product. If it's meaningful and it's something that the member is going to need to engage with anyways, it has great value to them. Then it's then initiating that, getting the initial response where needed. But maybe those people that all got the nudges weren't sick on that Friday or weren't feeling any symptoms, but on Tuesday they were or on the following Thursday, they were. And now that was fresh in their mind because it was meaningful and educated them on the process.
0: I think this is great results. We have seen, uh, to to your point around nudges, and the key is to make it personal and relevant. Throughout our experience, similar kind of mid-market employers across the country, we are seeing when you identify members and you pick a relevant action and you communicate through multi-touch methods, whether that's text or notification even. I mean, text cannot be PHI. Things have to be thought through. So it's more like as a check-in to see there's some message here, notification here for you. We have seen anywhere between a third of the people who are enrolled and identified to almost two-thirds of them are actually taking an action. And and that is Huge when you start to put that into context of the engagement levels we are seeing in kind of very bland member portals, and also if you put into context the return on investment, if you close a gap in care, if you get a PCP appointment done, or if you get the member to use mail order medication or whatever action the nudge there is, the impact is huge if you can get to that a third of those actually doing taking that action. Yeah.
1: When we're looking at it and we're seeing results like that, the value is so important. And those nudges are critical, as you're pointing out. And so we always want to be sure that, again, they are meaningful, they're personal, and they're engaging to that member. Solving these challenges is pretty unique. And this is the difference, though, and this this is a critical, what you just pointed out, what I was speaking about earlier, is that we cannot just give informational tools to consumers and expect they use them. We have to give value-based tools that are engaging, that influence, that remind, that uh, bring the consumer back into the experience with something that is personal and meaningful to them. And that's the difference between, you know, what you see out there. If you're just giving a link for information, the value to a a consumer and their digital expectation today is you're not going to have it. That McKinsey study really clearly points that out. 82% of your population want meaningful digital tools. And 42% don't think that there's uh, great value in in what's out there.
0: So So Joe, I have another question. You talked about the entry points serving as many entry points. You talked about this nudges proactive, making them personal and relevant and value. What is the role of human touch to support, to close the, kind of the members gap, where do you see this fitting in with your digital tools, digital engagement?
1: Yeah, so important. When we're looking at that, the reality in the digital engagement world is that we still need relationships. And what are we building in those relationships? So the focus of digital solutions isn't to replace your care provider, but it's to enhance all of the steps and all of these things that you need so that your providers of care, your clinicians, can engage with you with meaningful information. You know, how many times do we get to the doctor's office and we know that we then have to have some blood work done to get some lab results and then we wait two weeks and the length of time over care becomes so long that this is just pushes disease progression to the point of where then medications are required when there were pot- potentially some preventative actions that were taking place. So what we look at at Care Valet is how do we shorten the time of what we know to be gaps in care steps that can be managed efficiently, that get the member the service tools that they need, the reminders in place, the appointment set, the action set, so that we shorten up that period of time so that. The time they're spending with the provider is time where the provider is able to use their theoretical and logical knowledge based on what we know they need, which is factual data to support the decision making process and the diagnosing process. So we want to use all of these amazing tools, all of these great cost containment tools, all of these great diagnostic tools, get them engaged as early as possible so that the meaningful relationship between. The provider of care, whether that's going to be a nurse case manager, whether that's going to be their physician, is a valued period of time between the two of them with data to get the right result for them.
0: So you talked about data. What kind of data do you see as important flowing to the member or back from the member to the navigator, let's say?
1: Yeah, well, anything that addresses their gap in care need, whether it's a chronic condition patient or whether it's just someone going in for an annual preventative visit, we want to be able to look at if we've got a diabetic, that they have their hemoglobin A1Cs done, that they've got any of their health data information, did they fulfill their entire gaps in care, are they scheduled for their entire gaps of care, what is their current medication levels, are they utilizing appropriately, and do the providers have all that information? Yeah, they're a lot of times collecting that data, but sometimes the patients lose track, particularly if they have multiple chronic conditions. There's lots of things that can go wrong or get shortened up or get skipped over for any multitude of reasons, but we want to be sure we have measurement capabilities in play for them that are giving them appropriate reminders to stay engaged at those right levels. And I hope that's specific enough and we can dive in a little bit more deeply to that too. So, Those values are very important data measures. Got it. How would you
0: describe the value to the third party?
1: Well, if I'm looking at the place that we come in is we're not the service provider for all of your cost containment needs. We are the service provider for connecting all of your cost containment needs. And the, the, that digital optimization of bringing all of your partners together to ensure that when the patient is initially reaching out, that not only are they looking up when they're looking up something, the system is intuitively triggering engagement with those cost containment partners in a meaningful way. So if you've got someone looking out of network for any particular reason, the system is pulling them back into their network and then to the value of cost and quality within that network as well. If you've got someone who you know is a chronic condition patient and they're a diabetic and they're looking for a cardiologist or they're looking for a treatment or procedure related to cardiology, that it's triggering the disease management nurse and that clinical team to alert them that this member, hey, is you potentially now have someone with cardiometabolic syndrome if they're a diabetic and now they're feeling hypertensive or they're looking for cardiologists to begin measuring other things. And we want to get them engaged in that seeking process so that they can be the advisors that they're intended to be and help seek the outcomes. Got it.
0: And then how should the TPA think of these member engagement tools in terms of a business point, if we, the value of this to them as they are out there trying to win business, grow and serve the member population? How is this helping them?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, they really do have to be addressing a consumer's need because a lot of times from the TPA's perspective, we go in and we're addressing their overall cost concerns because we're competing with carriers, we're competing with each other in many cases, and we need differentiating points. And not only do we need differentiating points, we need differentiating points that the employer is hearing from their employees have value to them. And so that... this tool is working great for me. I'm getting my results. I feel engaged. I found my solution much more quickly. We want those differentiating points because that consumer opinion matters, especially to their employer, because we know some of the greatest problems that we hear come from a bad patient experience to the employer, right back to the member. And we know when it's the vice president of the company that has a problem or any of their relatives in that case, or their spouse, then we know, well, we've got a big challenge in our hands that we're trying to resolve. So we wanna do everything we can to give valuable tools that mitigate negative or potential negative or confusing experiences within the healthcare journey. No,
0: that's great. Let's take a
1: step back. Obviously
0: you're doing great work in this space. We're doing great work in this space. What are some of the good solutions out there and doesn't have to be healthcare, whether it's outside the healthcare industry, that you would point to and say, this is kind of the gold star. This is where how we need to be approaching this."
1: I think everybody does, but referencing Amazon. But what I really find fascinating by is just some of their statistical data, is when we look at why people are using Amazon and what the result is they're getting, you know, 70% of all purchases happen on the first search page within the Amazon platform. And only 20% of the people ever go to a second page to search for something more, more detail. Usually in that 70% search, the purchase occurs. The solution is there for them. And it's such an amazing example of how we need to be guiding ourselves because those first successful digital tools were mainly retail or service tools that the member had. So we want to take a look back at how we're addressing the healthcare need and say, we've got to be able to model more along these lines and synergize all of this digital fragmentation into an entry point that's meaningful to the member. And I think it's beautiful. I love love that we're in a competitive space in this place right now because we've needed to address this problem for so long. And there is value there. Uh, so we have to remember that a member is in their amygdala we're getting one of those serotonin and dopamine releases of of use and we see that social media draws them in and people don't ever want to get away we see our kids playing games they don't ever want to get away we don't necessarily want to create an addiction problem when it comes to healthcare, but we do want to be sure if somebody is in that fight or flight emotional space that they're getting the result that drops some of those uh, that cortisol release it brings them back to a little bit more of peace of mind. And taking them back from there really does help create that opportunity. Otherwise, we need to then just really go back into the whole gamification world of how do we make healthcare a game so that people are addicted to it. I think we've already learned in that process, the providers do a good enough job of just adding on services wherever they can. So I don't think we need to promote from that direction.
0: So there you have it, our listeners, the value bomb here from Joe, which is... You basically don't give them the ID card, physical ID card. Make sure they use the electronic ID card, download it, and that's how you start the relationship. One last question for you, Joe, here. What are some of the steps TPAs can take to get down this journey, this path of really delivering that type of member experience? What are the things they should be looking for, Check checkmark? Okay, yep, need to have this or this. So what would be your recommendation around steps they can take?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is really understanding what their world of digital fragmentation looks like. How many apps, how many entry points to all of their healthcare service providers do they have today? And write them down, write down each website, write down each thing. Then go back and look at their employers that they're partnered with and look at all of the entry points they have from their benefits on top of all of their healthcare. And you're going to start seeing 10 to 14 different links. And we know that that is the member's experience. That's all of the things the member has to look at when they're entering into the availability of benefits because healthcare is another one of the benefits. And that's a lot for consumer to remember. So first thing is take a look at that digital fragmentation. Second, as you're looking at a service provider, is who can solve optimizing that for me so that we can get the utilization and experiences that we're after and then the other thing is open your mind to simplicity more is more more is not better look at is the model simple enough from the consumer's experience side that it's easy for them to use and it takes them into an entry point and then brings them out to the branch of opportunities that are available within the healthcare service, but intuitively. Don't bring them to an entry point and look for a tool that is going to ask them 10, 15, 20 questions to get to the next step. You will lose the experience. You need something that brings them in and is intuitively guiding them to those next steps. It should look so simple. It's like, gosh, this doesn't seem like it's doing much, but each experience is a little different with each search. So take a look at those things and ensure you've got a simplified consumer experience on the front end that's not informational, it's intuitive and synergized. So I'd say the two first very simple steps, digital fragmentation measurement, and then simplified consumer experience towards all of the other great service offerings you have.
0: That's great. This is great. Good, simple framework. Joe, how can people reach out to you? Where can they connect with you?
1: Well, I'm at Joe at carevalet.com, but of course they can find me at any conference that they go to as well. And I'm always available, whether it's from a consultative perspective or from an evaluation perspective of our programs. But I always think it's great to look at what's available out there, but really get into the understanding of what's there. We have so many regulatory needs that have to be required today. Now the Transparency Act is one of those biggest things that everyone's addressing we want to be sure all of our tools function and operate within the realm of what's required today also. So I'm here, I'm available. Best way is to get me great. email and, uh, and through any, any number of great people like you. So thank you.
0: Well, Joe from Care Valley, you know, love the work they're doing. And if you are getting cold, they have these great blankets, nice fuzzy blankets at these conferences that they're giving out. So make sure you pick one of those too. Thank you, Joe, for really taking the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Resh, what a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Please join us again for another podcast in the series brought to you by SCAA's Voices of Self-Funding. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people and tell us about topics that we should bring to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar of Zaki Point Health.